Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Uh, both. There's going to be vendors on the inside and vendors on the inside. We're going to use our Life Center, and I think we've got close to 20, uh, I think roughly 17 that are going to be inside, uh, and then there are, the rest are going to be outside. We're going to be serving food. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, we have a large... Uh, inflatable. It's an obstacle course for the kids, and so it's going to be kid-friendly. We're not going to charge for that. We're just going to let the kids have fun. In addition, we have a uh, very large vendor truck that's coming in. I think it's close to 30 foot long, and so they've got lots of sugar junk for the kids. Now, that's going to be uh, sold, uh, obviously, but nevertheless, we're going to put that right by the uh, bounce house. And so, uh, Man, maybe we ought to have like puke buckets too. That way, just, you know, the kids that get sick, they can uh, get rid of the stuff. So anyways, uh, that is going to be a tremendous opportunity for us to serve the community. So we could, again, use your help. I uh, just want to give you also a heads up uh, in regards to the summer, just uh, so that you're aware of it. You know, there are seasons that ebb and flow with church. And so in the summer months, you know that people go on vacation. And so it's always those opportunities where attendance is up and down. And people say, oh, man, how come, how come we see such a difference in the attendance? It's just the season of summer. And so don't let it move you. Don't let people talk you into, you know, being concerned. It's just the season. And for that matter, you realize that vacation is healthy for people to get away with uh, family. And so, yes, thank you. Throw that up here so I can, can you get there? Oh, thank you, dear. I'm gonna throw it back so make sure you catch it. I'm gonna put a little heat on it though, okay? All right. We also have our, uh, our baby bottles that is to serve or to partner with the Pregnancy Crisis Center here in Flint. And so fill up your uh, bottles and bring them back. If you run out, we can empty it and we can send it back home with you. Uh, one of the challenges that we did this year was just to make this a negative change bottle. That way, if you're negative, if you're complaining, if you're nagging, you put money and just let your, your spouse or your kids keep you accountable and even involve your kids in that. In fact, uh, I got called out on Facebook one time. I was complaining about a gas can, you know, the way that the new gas cans are. And as soon as I started complaining, somebody says, all right, put some money in your jar. So I'm like, ah. I got called out on Facebook. So nevertheless, use this as an opportunity. I hope that we really have the opportunity to, to, to partner big with them. They're doing an amazing work, and, and their primary um, fundraising is through the local church, and the primary time that they raise the bulk of their money is from Mother's Day to Father's Day, and so that's why we're partnering with them. All right, you ready? Oh, wow. Caught it like a girl, but you caught it nevertheless. It's amazing. Awesome. And also, just getting ready to give tonight, obviously this is Wednesday night, but we're going to give you the opportunity to give into the work that God's called us to be a part of and a family member of. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you weren't here this past Sunday, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to hear the, the good news. Uh, but God is just so faithful. Uh, you know, obviously God has called us here. He's opened up the doors and uh, just uh, paved the way for us to be in this building and Obviously, we said we had some money to raise, purposing to raise $60,000 so that we have 
uh, 80% or excuse me, 20% of the equity or the, 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 the purchase price so that we can, again, make that investment or uh, make that purchase. And so we've been purposing to raise some money. We've roughly got close to 20000 right now, um, but we've got some room to go. And so if you recall, I've always given you the opportunity. I've said, you know, this is an opportunity for you to sow or give into the work of the ministry. And it's not necessarily for the sake of just the building. What you're doing is you're investing in your own spiritual life and the growth and the reward and the fruit of sowing into God's work. And so I've said to you, I said, you know, I'm not going to put pressure on you. I'm not going to try to twist your arms. God got us here. Therefore, God will make sure that we have the money. And so just this past week, we, uh, I had the opportunity, Kelly and I, we went down to Pastor Jerry's church last Wednesday. Uh, we celebrated the 35 years with them. And again, it was a wonderful night. But prior or before that uh, evening service, we had a meeting with another pastor friend that is over in Pittsburgh. And we started telling him about what God was doing. And he's heard about it before. But he said, you know, where are you at? <clears throat> and I, he says, well, how much money do you need? And I told him. And he says, well, you know what? He said, I want to partner with you guys. He says, we want to make sure that we can get you up to the number that you need. And he said, so I'll get back with you and let you know what I can do. He said, but what I'm going to purpose to do is that I'll purpose to to." to match whatever your church does between now and the closing. And so, if we as a church raise $20,000, he would match $20,000. That would be the $40,000 that we need. So you just see how God supernaturally orchestrates relationships to get the job done. And so, I'm just encouraging you, man, if it was ever in your heart to sow, now's the time because as you sow, there is a supernatural reward and increase on the other side of that. So, tonight is just another opportunity to give into the work of the ministry and disbelieve for God for the increase. Amen. Are you ready to pray and ready to give? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that tonight, that as we purpose to give, it is not giving, we really purpose to position ourselves to receive. For you said, that which a man sows, he'll also reap. So, Father, we give of our finances, we give of our time, of our talent, our treasure. And, God, I thank you that you said that we would receive that back. And so, God, we thank you we don't lack in any area. We thank you that you've called us here to change the landscape of this community, to break the back of lack, and therefore we're moving forward. We're moving out. God, there is no longer anything that we lack in concerning the work of which you've called us to and we give you all the thanks and praise and everyone said amen, amen. praise god <clears throat> My wife, she had shared this with me uh, earlier today. I think it was today. We were talking about just uh, some ministers that we're acquainted with, and she had heard them speaking on the subject of just giving and just where the church is today. And, you know, the Bible says, if you recall, Jesus said, uh, you'll either serve God or you'll serve mammon, and mammon is really defined as riches. <clears throat> and one of the things that this particular minister said said, unfortunately, because of how the church has struggled throughout the years, that the church really functions under the rule of mammon. And it's simply because we have allowed ourselves to really struggle 
or get into fear as to how we do things. And there, everything that we do is based upon can we or can't we because of what we have or we don't have. And so, therefore, you position yourself under that spirit of mammon rather than trusting God. And when I heard that, I'm like, you know what? That's true. You know, we could say that we're guilty of that. And I'm, uh, upon hearing that, I said, you know, no more. We're not going to function that way concerning being fearful or being so skittish of what God's called us to do. If God said it, then he'll provide it. And so, we're, you know, obviously we'll use wisdom. You've got to use wisdom. God can't bless stupid. But uh, anyways, we'll purpose to be wise and be good stewards of what God's called us to. But nevertheless, we're not going to be fearful or function under that of whether we can or we can't. If God said it, we'll just trust him to make the increase happen. So, amen. Well, tonight we're going to jump into a particular area uh, that I believe is this pertinent for the time that we're in. If you recall, last week we actually started uh, or ministered on the subject of sowing and reaping. If you recall, Jesus said, I believe it's over in Matthew's gospel, he said that the kingdom functions or the kingdom works through the principle of sowing and reaping. And so from the very beginning, the principle was established by God. God started the beginning of creation through the principle of sowing and reaping. The fact that we have the new birth was established through the principle of sowing and reaping. And so we looked at that and really looked at it from the standpoint of we as God's people learning how to function from the place of and through the principle of sowing and reaping. And when it comes to sowing, we're not just talking about money. Everything functions under that principle of sowing and reaping. Now, for you guys that are married, uh, uh, fellas, good to see you out there. Um, I, I know that I'm speaking to the choir when I said, you know, when we uh, have sowed a bad attitude, uh, do we reap a bad attitude back concerning the way our wives respond? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, again, it's not when, when it comes to a, a husband and wife relationship, and your attitude, your attitude isn't based upon using or spending money. It's just your bad attitude. But if you sow or give a bad attitude, you're going to get one back, right? I mean, your kids operate that same way. You give them a little grief, they're going to give it back to you. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. And so we're going to look at that a little bit later on and talk about that uh, uh, in a little bit more depth concerning how we function in this principle of sowing and reaping. But tonight I want to establish a little bit more groundwork, if you will, to get us to that place. And so depending on the time frame, we might not actually get there, but I want to make sure that we lay a good foundation concerning this direction of where we're headed. Now, for that being said, the Bible says that everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So in other words, if there is doctrinal evidence or if there's something that we are to live by according to God's word there's going to be more than one case in the Bible there's going to be multiple evidences of that particular area that we can live by or use it as a doctrinal belief system to live and walk by faith right for instance you know you heard the story of of Job you know, Job was this poor old man, and everybody's like, oh, poor old Job. And so they look at Job and say, well, man, look at what God did to Job. But again, when we look at the full scripture that we find out that it wasn't necessarily how we thought it to be that God struck Job. Again, it was just a particular story, but people have built a doctrine upon the story of Job. So again, we're going to look at multiple scriptures concerning 
this area of what God has called us to or what he's called you to. And so to begin with, I want to bring your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture tonight that we will uh, platform from and talk about as we go on. And so for the sake of time, you may not have necessarily the time to turn to them, so I would encourage you to write them down. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, or beginning in verse 19, it says, do you not know that you are the bodies, or that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. Verse 20, you are bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So notice what it says here. It says, when you have been born again, when you've received Christ, he says, God, or the Holy Spirit, has come to dwell and live on the inside of you right? Then he goes on to say, concerning your life, he, he uses the word body, but he's talking about everything about your existence. Let your life honor God. Now, the reason he says, let your life honor God, because he said, in this new birth experience, he said, your life and your body is not your own. It belongs to God because it was bought with a price. So in other words, the price that he's talking about was what Jesus came to do. The price that he paid on the cross for our salvation. And he says, upon receiving Christ and the sacrifice or the price that was paid for you, he said, you now belong to God. Now, for some, that idea of belonging to God or even that statement of saying, I don't own myself, I'm owned by God, for some, that is a really troubling statement because all of a sudden they're thinking, well, I've lost me. I can't do what I want to do. I can't have fun anymore because i got to serve Jesus, <laughs> right? But how many of you know that serving God and having a relationship with God, there is nothing sad, nothing uh, neglectful, Nothing that we're missing out on when it comes to this relationship with God. He says, though, that I love you so much that upon having this relationship, he says, you belong to me, right? Now, in, in the context of a husband and wife, when it comes to my wife, that's how I look at her. Like, hey, baby, you belong to me. You don't belong to nobody else. You're mine, right? Why? Because of the relationship that we have. She would look at me the same way. She would say, now listen, you better not be messing around. You better not be doing this. And I'm like, baby, I'm an open book. Right? Why? Because I belong to her. So again, with God, he's wanting us to know that you belong to me. Everything about you belongs to me. Well, so then understanding that, it helps us understand where we're headed next in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who has saved us, speaking of the new birth experience, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us or given us in Jesus Christ before the world began. So notice what it says here, that once you were saved, or born again, receive Christ. He says, you're not your own. In fact, once you have been born again, he says, I have called you with a holy calling. 
And he says, now this holy calling that I've given you, it wasn't according to your works or what you've done or what you have accomplished in life or how smart and how uh, 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 accomplished you are in life. He says, it's not according to you, but it's according to what I've done. And this this call is according to my purpose. And he said, now, this call and this purpose was established before the foundations of the world. So in other words, God knew you before creation ever existed. And God had a purpose and a call on all of our lives before the world was ever known. And before we ever knew Jesus, that purpose and that call was there. Amen? And it says this call and this purpose, it's a holy calling. So in other words, every single person is called by God. There's a calling on our life. So you might say, well, I know that pastors or preachers are called. You know, they're called into ministry. No, that's just my call. That's where God has gifted me and where God's called me into in, in, in a place of ministry. But every single person has a calling. In other words, you have a specific purpose assigned by God, a specific ministry assigned by God, and it's holy. Amen? Now, why? Because you belong to God. Now, notice what it says here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Now, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. So the Apostle Paul is praying for the church, and he's saying, here's what I'm praying for you, that you would have wisdom and revelation in this relationship with Jesus. And not only that, that the eyes of your understanding or spiritual understanding would be opened so that you could see the hope or the expectation of His calling on your life. So what that means is, is that number one, it's spiritually discerned. The only way that you're going to be able to identify the call on your life is from the discernment of the Holy Spirit on the inside. You might think, well, that sounds like a good thing. In fact, I'll say it this way. There's been a lot of people that have said, you know, I think I'm called into ministry. And they step into ministry and they find out, man, it's hard work. In fact, there was one uh, family. This was uh, just a few years ago. They attended our church. And uh, started coming for a little while. They came from, I believe it was Illinois. And uh, they hung around for a little while. And as we got to know them, well, he had just left his church down in Illinois. And we said, well, you were pastoring? He says, yeah, we were pastoring a church down there. And, you know, we started the church. And then eventually we just closed it down. And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, I can understand that because ministry is hard. And there's a lot of churches that close down all the time. In fact, I think they say 600 uh, pastors quit the ministry every single day. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an epidemic. But he came to the church, and I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord. Well, maybe, maybe he's not called to pastor a church, but maybe he's called to hook up with a church and be a part of the team. And so we try to engage them and get to know them. And just little by little, they kind of 
fizzled out and just never came back. And then obviously with the amazing thing called Facebook, you can just kind of check up on people, you know? And it's just like, what are you doing? And then you start examining their life and it's like, dear God, you're not even living the life of a Christian now. But yet just not too long ago, you said that you were called to be a pastor. So my point is this, is that just because it seems like a good idea, well, you know, what if I'm a if I'm a pastor, I only have to work on Sunday. Praise the Lord. It's the biggest myth there ever was, but nevertheless. So my point is this, is that all of us are called, but you've got to know what your call is. And the only way that you're going to know your call is that you have spiritual discernment or understanding. And that's what he says. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding, that you have wisdom and revelation of this call. And it's holy. So... My call is different than your call in terms of what we do. But there's a call. All right, here's what it goes on to say in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So, that word or without repentance means that you can never lose the call. So before the world's ever existed, God slapped a call on you. He knew you and knew what the call was. And he says, now, it doesn't matter what you do or how bad you mess up or whether you choose to answer the call, you still have a call on you until the day that you stand before God. And God's going to say, what did you do with the call? Well, I never knew there was a call. Well, you could have had wisdom and revelation concerning the call. And he's going to say, what did you do with the call? And you're going to say, well, you know, I tried it, but I just, I never really could make it work. And God says, listen, it don't matter whether you made it work or you didn't make it work at the age 20 or the age 30 or the age 40. You you came to heaven at the age of 90 and you still had every opportunity to experience and fulfill the call on your life. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Did you notice what it says here? He says, the gifts... And the calling of God is without repentance. Did you notice that it says gifts, plural, but calling, singular? Why is that? Because your call, your call, your call, my call is exactly the same. Now, it's to figure out what the call is. It's all for the same purpose. But see... Your giftings are different than my giftings. Your call, my call are the same. But he's equipped you and gifted you differently than he has me. I mean, I I can't play a guitar worth a lick, but there's some people in here that can play amazing, right? Why? Because of their gifting. And therefore, their gifting begins to connect them with the call. But regardless of what their call is or what my call is, They work together, they're in the same vein, and the purpose is exactly the same. So to understand, I've got a call on my life, and it's for the purpose that he's assigned us to, but he's going to use my gifts to fulfill it. Amen. That's why the Bible says you you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you ever come in contact with those people and like, God, I know you say that those people are fearfully, wonderfully made, but you must have messed up when you made that person. Because they just irritate the snot out of me. But nevertheless, 
There's an equipping of gifts on the inside of them, and God wants to use them uniquely, right? So we all have a call on our life. All right, in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22, verse 14, notice what this is what Jesus said. He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, when he's talking about many are called, he's not saying that many are called in the sense that there's many select people that are called. And I call many of those that are selected to the call. No, he's referring to everybody. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Is it, is it God saying, you know what, uh, there's the two of you that are here and you, you both have a call on your life, but man, I just put some more giftings in you and I, I think you're better equipped with your giftings to fulfill the call, so I'm going to choose you and not choose you. No, it don't work that way. God calls every single person but the ones that are chosen are the ones that step up to answer the call. Amen? And so I'm telling you, there's a call on your life. It says it's a holy calling. And it's up to you to discover what that call is. I can already tell you what the purpose is for, but it's going to look unique to your life. And it's going to function uniquely based upon your giftings. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So now notice what he said. He said that there is a prize attached to the call. Come on, man. Now we wonder why there's some people that are blessed and some people that are not. And people that just get their nose bent out of joint because they look at this person over here and say, well, God, it just seems like you're showing favoritism for that person over there. Well, maybe they just chose to answer the call, and therefore, they're walking in the prize, or you're seeing the prize on their life because they answered the call. And yet we say, well, God, what about me? And God's saying, yeah, what about you? <laughs> well, what about you? Are you going to answer the call? And notice what he says concerning the call. He says, I press toward it. Or in other words, I pursue the call. I want to know what it is. What have you called me to do, God? Because I want to experience the fullness of it. Remember I said to you that whenever God calls you to something or in the fact that he says that you no longer belong to you, I own you or you belong to me? Again, we've got it all bent out of shape and bent out of joint to think that being submitted to God is lesser than. There's so many people that are having fun in life, but this Christian life, man, it's just so hard. I mean, all those sinners, they get to have fun on the weekends, but we get to go to church. <laughs> it's just silly thinking. But Paul says, I press, I pursue because, God, I want your best. I want to experience the prize. But not only that, I want to answer the call. And notice what he says. He says it's a high call. It's a high call. Whatever it is. Maybe you're, you're that person 
that says, man, you know what? I don't like being in front of people. I don't like talking. I don't like being interactive with people. In fact, you know what? I just like cleaning toilets. I mean, I am anointed to clean toilets. And you think, whatever. No, there are people that have a gifting and an anointing to be those kind of maintenance people. And that call of providing a clean bathroom has the purpose that works in conjunction with the purpose of God, right? And so therefore, the cleaning of the toilet that's for that person that they're anointed to do, it's a high calling. But yet we look at it and say, oh man, that's, that's a lowly calling. That's a lowly ministry. No, it's not. If that's what their call is, it's a high calling. And the Bible says that there is a reward that's attached to the calling that they're assigned to. Amen? I mean, we look at all the greats. You know, you look at Oral Roberts. You look at Billy Graham. You look at whoever you esteem and admonish and think, wow, look at all the amazing things that they're doing. You know what? Billy Graham might have stood before God and God says, you know, you did a lot of good things, but you didn't do half of what I called you to do. And so your reward could have been a whole lot more, but because you didn't fulfill the call, this is what you're left with. And then the person goes to heaven, and they were the toilet cleaner, and they were faithful with cleaning the toilets. And God says, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. And the reward that they receive in heaven is far better and greater than Billy Graham's. Are you seeing the example? Are you seeing the importance of knowing the call? Knowing the call of God that's on our life. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So, he's identifying some things here. You've heard it said this way, that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. See, we look at people from the pedigree. Well, what kind of family were you born into? What kind of qualifications have you had? What have you done to say you are this person or you have established a high calling? No, he identified it. He says, there's not many noble. He says, there's not many mighty. He says, there's not many wise men of the flesh that can really be said that they're called. So in other words... God uses the individual that is willing. That is willing. So you may not have an education. You may have been, in fact, I just saw this on Facebook. There was a woman that was telling her story. She says, I'm the byproduct of being, or uh, of my mother being raped. uh, In other words, I'm the fruit of a rape victim. But yet she's being used by God. Well, you could sit there and look and say, well, dear God, I wasn't even wanted. It was, I was conceived through just a violent act. But she don't have to look at what defined her through the past. She can begin to identify herself through the call. And it's a high call. Amen? All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Actually, 1 Corinthians 7. Let's go there first. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20. He says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein is he's called. So he says, there's a call. 
abide in that call. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. To them who are called, see there's the word call again, called according to His purpose. So, I said everybody's purpose is the same. What's the, what's the same call? His purpose. So your call is to fulfill His purpose. My call is to fulfill His purpose. Amen? And I don't know about you, there's been times that I've just, I've struggled because I, I look at what's in my heart and you look at what you've accomplished and you think, God, I don't want to let you down. Have you ever felt that way in life? You know, you just feel like, God, I've let you down. God, I, I, I just haven't done it. Well, once again, the Bible says that we can abide in this call. And understanding the call, we can fulfill His purpose. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasures of His goodness, and the work of faith with power. So, His calling, He says, you're worthy of it. He says, now, you have to walk worthy of it. God made you worthy, but you have to walk in the light of that calling. Now, remember where he said, your body's not your own, right? He says, honor me with your life. So even though you're worthy of the calling that's on your life, how you live your life determines if you're walking worthy of the calling, right? So in other words, you can't just live like any old heathen and say, well, praise the Lord, I'm called of God. Amen? In fact, should I say this, Lord? I'll, I'll just be vague. Over the course of the years of ministry, you come in contact with certain people and then they're involved within the church. And you question their integrity and their character. Over the years, you see them start transitioning into different areas of ministry. And I'm thinking of this one particular gentleman, and he's now pastoring a church. And for the longest time, I really struggled with him pastoring a church because I knew his past. And I knew his past in the church. And so I, I really struggled with it, and I'm like, God, I don't want to judge him according to the past. And I said, you know, God, if, if, if you know, I just want to make sure that my heart's right. And I, I continued to just, you know, any thoughts that I had, I, I pushed the thoughts down. Well, then just this past week, or actually was it two weeks ago, this guy put something on Facebook. And upon seeing what he put on Facebook, it reverted back to the same old character that he used to function with, within the context of the church. And I thought, dear God, here he's pastoring a church, 
but he's not walking worthy of the call. So what happens when you don't walk worthy of the call? You end up hurting people, and therefore the byproduct or the fruit that you reap as a result of what you sow, you start reproducing yourself, and therefore you have this trail of the lack of integrity or whatever it is in those that are following you, right? So that's why it's important for us to examine ourselves and say, God, am I walking worthy of the calling? Am I talking about being perfect? No, we're not perfect. We all make mistakes, but we're endeavoring. God, in fact, as we saw what Paul said, if you would begin to have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, or Jesus, you would begin to have wisdom and understanding and enlightenment to the call. So how many of you know that if you're walking closer with Jesus or the closer you walk with Him, the less you want to hurt Him or disappoint Him, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of things that go on in the dark that nobody sees, and for that matter, you know, in just the church world, like pornography, pornography is just a, an epidemic. And there are pastors that struggle with pornography like you wouldn't believe. And obviously, there, there, there are individuals that have allowed themselves to get calloused and uh, pushed down the conviction of the Holy Spirit so that they've allowed themselves to get to that place. But... You can't tell me that the Holy Spirit is continuing to talk to them and say, don't go there. Don't do that. Right? But, if I'm aware of the fact that, man, God's watching, it begins to convict my heart, don't it? So I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I, wanna, I don't want to partake of that. I don't want to fellowship with those. Why? Because I'm purposing to walk worthy of the call. All right? Second, uh, or Hebrews rather, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So, what he's doing is he's comparing the calling on your life to the calling that was on Jesus's life he said it's the same call so my fellowship and my calling is what Jesus came to do I'm just fulfilling the latter part right he came to build the family of God or to restore the family of God what's our job or our purpose to build the family right isn't it interesting how we are, are, are so squeamish when it comes to talking about our relationship with God. I mean, dear God, do we even dare pray out in public, you know, when it comes to, to you know, blessing our food? What if somebody sees us? Who cares who sees us, right? My wife, she was saying that she went to lunch with some ladies the other day, some other, uh, one particular woman was a minister, and she said when she, when they went to dinner, she said this other uh, minister lady uh, said hi to the waitress and then she said to her she says hey you know I just I always purpose to make a point to pray for our server whoever it is and so is there something that we can pray for you about 
And so she says, well, you know, this is whatever it was. And so all three of these ladies prayed for this waitress right there on the spot. And Kelly, she says, man, she was bold. She was bold in how she prayed. Not squeamish, not being a little conservative based upon. No, she prayed boldly for this lady. Well, what is it? That's just being a witness. Amen? In fact, we were out with some other pastor friends just a few weeks ago, and uh, our waitress came by, and so the other pastor, you know, kind of same kind of thing. And so, like, hey, do you got something going on in your body? Because she had a, a brace on her wrist. She goes, well, yeah, and told us whatever was going on. She goes, well, we believe in healing. Can we pray for your wrist? So we just pray for the waitress right there on the spot. Why are we so afraid to represent Jesus in the world? Are we bashful? Maybe we just haven't been enlightened with who he is. Maybe we need to know him a little bit more. If we know him a little bit more, we would be so bold to talk about him, right? Amen. You know, uh, what was it, just uh, I think it was three weeks ago, my oldest daughter, she's in track, and uh, she won her first race, came in first place. And then here in Sunday, I, I said, to, you know, before our morning meeting, I said, has anybody got a, you know, just a praise report, a win? You just want to celebrate Jesus? And my, my mom, she goes, well, my granddaughter took first place. She ran her first track meet and won first place. Well, she wasn't bashful to talk about that. She was proud. Well, why? Because there's the relationship. And she was boasting on something that, something good that happened. Well, when you know Jesus and know the goodness of Jesus and all that he wants to do, and especially if you know that he's done it for you, why should we be timid and talking about him or fulfilling the call of our purpose? Oh, man, we should be excited and be bold because of the calling that's on our life. And I'll leave you with this, this last one here. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10, it says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, he says, Give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you shall not fall, or you shall never fall. So notice, we all have been given and assigned a call on our life. But he says, when you'll purpose to embrace it, when you'll purpose to make your election and your calling sure, he says, you can't fall. You can't fail. Amen? Now, there's going to be opportunities that it feels like and it looks like it's not working. As we were praying tonight, my wife, she began to pray about some things. And she says, you know, I believe this is what the Lord said. And it was just about standing fast and holding on to the things that God said. And in thinking about or listening to what she said, it, re it caused me to reflect on some different things. And I thought, man, there have been times that I've sure just wanted to lay down and quit. You know what I mean? I mean, with everything that you do, in fact, concerning this whole mortgage thing with the, with the, the church this season, the Lord said to us, said, this time it will be easier than the last time. And said, this time you'll have multiples fighting for your business. Well, we've seen both of those things. But just because the Lord said it was easier than it was the last time, doesn't mean that it has been 
free from challenge. Every time you step out to believe God, there is going to be a challenge. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to fulfill the call. I mean, I don't care if it's going into the the marketplace and the billboard says it's such and such percentage off and here's the deal and you go in there and say, hey, I'll take the deal. And they say, well, you know, that deal applies to this and don't apply to that and so you don't qualify. But yet all according to what everything else says, it qualifies to you. And so you have a choice right then to say, oh, okay, if you say so and miss out or let the opposition take advantage of you or you could say wait a minute that's not what you said in fact this is what we agreed upon and if we agreed upon this then you're going to honor this and stand up and stand bold and know that the that the that the God that says you're equipped equipped and called will back you up is it comfortable to the flesh absolutely not because the flesh always wants to cower down and like well okay I don't like to be confrontational. There's times that it is necessary to be confrontational. And especially when you're standing up for God, when you're stepping out in faith, you will have to face opposition. And there will be multiple times that you have to be confrontational and stand fast to make your election sure. Because the enemy will give you every reason as to why it shouldn't be. And that's when you have to stand in that place and say, no. The Word of God said it wasn't based upon my works. It wasn't based upon my wisdom. It wasn't based upon my nobility. It was based on what he did. And therefore, it has to be so because I'm called. Amen? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, you have been called to liberty. So in other words, you have liberty in your mind, you have liberty in your body, you have liberty in your finances, you have liberty in every aspect of your life. But the calling has to be answered. If God has called you healed, if God has called you blessed, you have to answer the call. Amen? When I call my kids, and they're in the back, and I call their name, and if I've called their name three times, something's going to give. Why? Because when I call, I expect you to show up. When God has called you, and He has backed it up with everything that heaven has, we don't have to be timid to answer the call. Amen? Now, your body will say, I don't feel that. It don't matter what my body says. I'm answering the call. God says I'm free in my body. Ha <laughs> I call myself free too because he calls me that. You're free in your mind. You don't have to have depression. Ah, I call myself that too because I answer the call. He's called me to liberty. The bank account says, well, you can't do that. Aha, I'm blessed. He's called me blessed, so I answer the call. I, I answer by the name blessed. And it means to be empowered to prosper. Amen.
forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.